Hey, welcome to the Painless Podcast. It's Chris Hartwick from Painless Networking here. Make sure you visit us at www.painless.network for all Painless Networking info. If you're new to this Painless Podcast thing, welcome. Pods are all about connecting. It's connecting with good humans, interesting people, and sports and event marketing. No exception today. Today's guest is Dan Skenzel. He's the executive director of recently formed Notre Dame Studios, also uh, finishing up his role as the senior associate AD of digital media and branding that uh, started and led fighting Irish media in South Bend. I headed to the land of the Golden Dome, touchdown Jesus, Newt Rockney, all that great stuff last Tuesday. Sat down with Dan in the Joyce Center right next to legendary Notre Dame Stadium. And uh, it's right there at the stadium that Dan is overseeing the build of the new Notre Dame Studios, 18,000-square-foot facility, part of the $160 million renovations going on there at Notre Dame. Uh, Dan gave us a tour, and as you would expect, these upgrades and new construction are uh, incredibly impressive. It's uh, all the way around with new academic buildings and the stadium upgrades as well as the studios. It's just fantastic. And Dan himself, very smart, super, super nice down-to-earth guy, breaks down how fighting Irish media and Notre Dame studios came about. And don't miss this week's painless email blast going out uh, also today, Wednesday, for a job opening on Dan's team. If you're interested, he's looking for a digital media asset program manager. Find that at uh, the Painless Blast um, right at the top of the Painless.network site. On Twitter, if you want to follow Dan, he's at dskenzel. D-S-K-E-N-D-Z-E-L. And Fighting Irish Media handle is at N-D-F-I-M. The N-D Studios group is launching all new social a little bit later this summer once they've opened the new studio at the beginning of August. Uh, Notre Dame website, athletics-based, is, uh, of course, und.com. And uh, you can find Dan, uh, Fighting Irish Media, on LinkedIn. All right, let's get uh, into this thing. Recorded June 13th in South Bend, Indiana. Let's all get connected with Dan Skenzel. We took the Painless Podcast on the road today. Dan, we're in South Bend, Indiana, and uh, welcome to the Painless Podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. Happy to be here. Lots going on around here in the Joyce Center right now. It's looking great in here and all the history and the legacy of Notre Dame athletics, which you've certainly been involved in telling that story. In, in recent years. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. What What is, and before we get into the, I guess, into the Wayback Machine, as Executive Director of Notre Dame Studios, a role that you took over a, about a year ago, what what's your current role right now for Notre Dame Studios? Well, Notre Dame Studios is a group that um, is manages the infrastructure, the technology, the engineering resources for video production on campus, video media production. So we'll be supporting athletics, athletic production, live on-demand production. We'll be supporting academic production. We'll be supporting faith production. So truly, it's an enterprise approach that Notre Dame's taken to um, improve and, you know, dare I say, become best in class at, at video production. And was that a role that's been scattered across, like you said, Athletics, you kind of you were doing that role, and then faith or academics, are there different individuals doing it, and this is trying to bring it all together, or has it even been more scattered than that? Yeah, well, what we're trying to do is bring together the, the heavy um, capital-intensive infrastructure that's required for, for video production. It makes no sense for us 
to build multiple studios, control rooms across campus. Let's do it in one place and let's share that resource. We do have then content creators and owners across campus. So athletics is one, uh, the provost office and our office of digital learning, our marketing communications group. We're launching a new faith, um, a faith group as well. Um, but athletics has been really at the forefront of this. And in some ways, um, athletics was the proof of concept in what we built in Fighting Irish Media and with Jack Swarbrick's leadership. Um, we, we started out with a, a facility here in the Joyce Center that just got us started so that we could mm -hmm. then put this much more robust vision together and, and we are on the cusp of implementing it uh, this summer. Yeah, it was, as you, we walk in this morning in between the Joyce Center and, and uh, the stadium that uh, you can see all that work that's going on. We'll talk a little bit about that um, a little bit later, but let's let's go back to, because I think what's also interesting is the angle, the perspective that you've come at your your role right now um, and, and not coming from athletics, but coming from almost a process uh, piece and your finance background. So where'd you grow up? What Were you an athlete? How, how did you, uh, what shaped you? Yeah, no, I, so I grew up in, in Traverse City, Michigan. So up in the pinky of, of the lower mitt and uh, a great resort town, a lot of water, outdoor sports. Um, my athletic prowess left a lot to be desired. I uh, did play some, some football, um, some, some basketball, more on the intramural side. Um, but you know what? What caught me? Um, my, you know, just got caught up in it. Is cross country skiing. Hmm. When I was a senior in high school, our high school launched a varsity uh, team in cross country skiing and ski racing. And so, from then, uh, I was hooked. And I had grown up doing it, um, kind of casually and informally with my family. But at that point. Um, uh, I, I got hooked, and it led me into things like running, swimming, triathlon, and a lot of uh, outdoor endurance sports. Now, were you, uh, was it a big family, small family, you know, uh, the siblings running all over the place? And No, it was a good good Catholic family. Uh, <laughs> I'm the fifth of six kids. Okay, yeah. I didn't um, want to be you know, stereotypical. <laughs> both, uh, both of my parents um, were products of Catholic schools, so... In fact, we're Notre Dame fans, although my, my father didn't attend here. Um, but he certainly, and my, my mother as well, certainly encouraged us to look at Catholic education. My brother, oldest brother, took the plunge. And from then on, it just cascaded. So all six of us have come through Notre Dame I was, I was and attended say, here. When you so, took the plunge, it was uh, here at Notre Dame. Wow. Yeah. Quite a and, legacy. Uh, so a lot of uh, great memories of coming down to, to see games as a... a, a middle schooler and high schooler and, and caught the bug. Right. So that, I mean, this was coming, you, you know, did, didn't touch on it for people listening that you went here for both undergrad, um, bachelor in American studies. And then at your MBA is also a Notre Dame MBA in finance, right? So I'm a double domer, double domer. Um, did you, uh, this was it, this is where you really wanted to go. And so you've had that from like you said, from junior high or even younger, aspired to go here. And then I'm assuming you 
uh, not to put words in your mouth, but you, for, when you first graduated, you actually went into the corporate world, right? That you were at Procter and Gamble and and um, printing, right? Well, initially, initially I um, or paper plant. Then. I was at a paper plant uh, after grad school, but initially for under after uh, undergrad, uh, moved out to New Mexico and was a volunteer teacher with a oh, couple really? other buddies from from here at Notre Dame. We lived in Alumni Hall, um, and then moved out there and taught kids on the Navajo reservation for two years. So wow. this was part of a service work. Um, it was also part of a discernment for me about going into education and teaching. Um, and I, from that experience, learned that teachers are vastly underpaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and underappreciated. And underappreciated, yeah. absolutely. And, and from there, though, jumped into the business world, um, got into um, a job with Sherwin-Williams that led me back to Notre Dame after I spent a couple years in the corporate world there saying, all right, this is all right. I, I like this. I like working with people. I like mm-hmm. having a, a product to sell. And, um, and then I came back and got a, a degree in finance uh, at Notre Dame and then jumped back into corporate world right. at uh, Procter & Gamble up in Green Bay. Up in Green Bay. And then how did you end up then back here at Notre Dame? Yeah, it, you know, it really was serendipity. Um, I had taken a, uh, a leap to an e-commerce consulting company that was based outside of Detroit. And uh, back in the day where we all thought we were going to retire by 40 and be multimillionaires and valuations didn't really matter and you know the bottom line didn't matter. It was all spend. And uh, we all know what happened there in, in uh, the early part of 2000. Yeah, I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's right. This is 2000, 2001. 2001 uh, yeah. Bubbles popping everywhere. That's yeah. right. Okay. That's right. Yeah, it was 2001. <laughs> and uh, so as the company was starting to fade... Uh, and I began to look. There just happened to be an opening at Notre Dame and still knew a few people back here from my, uh, my graduate school days. And uh, it was in the Office of Business Operations. And uh, I was lucky enough to get the job. Worked for a gentleman named Jim Leipout. And you, did, you were here, um, so they started here in summer of 2001 and, and been in, a, in one role or another here at Notre Dame since then. Uh, you said first it was business operations, and then another um, administrative director of administrative services was a, the next role that I see on here, like uh, university functions is how you described it, risk management and safety and fire department and uh, transportation services, mm-hmm. warehouse and delivery. So um, did you, see, at that point, um, did you see that this, that uh you know, through this progression, were you looking at kind of, you know, over here at the Joyce Center and saying, you know, I wonder if there's something that could be there for athletics, being a, growing up a sports fan and all those kinds of things? Or, you know, how did that shift coming about working at different parts of a higher education institution to then ending up, you know, further down the road in, I think it was 2010, ending up in an athletic department project? Well, it's, it's a hard to come back to Notre Dame and not see the shiny objects across <laughs> campus and be sort of like, huh, I wonder what it would be like working over there. Uh-huh. Uh, and the glitz and the glam, so to speak, and that's what it looks like from across campus. Um, but no, it was, it was a mission decision to come back to Notre Dame. I mean, I so believe in what we stand for at Notre Dame, to educate minds and hearts, to put it in just real brief terms. Mm-hmm. Um, the educational mission, but it's about something more than just education. It's that the spiritual mission right. that we have as a Catholic university. Um, so I was very much invested in that, and um, it certainly figured I'd have a great career on the administrative side of Notre Dame, 
business operations was actually a great place to start mm-hmm. uh, because it gave me a broad overview of how mm-hmm. a university is run. Yeah, but it's practical. It's and it can be applied across the processes and how, you know literally how things work. I'm imagining, right? Absolutely. And 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 the relationships that I developed across campus through those roles in business operations and administrative services um, were just invaluable. Because yeah. It's leading, jumping. I don't want to skip over too much of that because I think there's some other interesting stuff that that led you to where you are right now. But that's probably been very helpful in this role of knowing people, personalities, and jobs, and the different functions and roles of people around here. And they can look at you not like, you know, some people may be like, oh, you know, that's just a guy that's come up through the football program strictly. That you know, maybe with a little side eye, they're knowing you kind of came from one of them. I'm assuming that's been very helpful. It absolutely has, sort of thinking about the personal brand in that sense. If there's one theme that I look at throughout my Notre Dame career, and I think it's probably uh, the same anywhere, is is the importance of doing good work but developing the relationships, and your personal brand develops out of that. And so, um, yeah, I did. I, I'm not a traditional athletics guy. Yeah. I'm not a traditional media guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a convert on both sides. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, happily so. It's been a great journey. Yeah. But, um, but it really has been from just doing a good job and, and working with people in a, in a team-oriented way. Well, your transition kind of, as I, as I read it here, then you went from the uh, administrative services role into the ND Renew um, project compensation study that <laughs> this, this, uh, this description is great managed project to revamp position levels titles and compensation structure for entire university I mean that had to yeah. be also both practical and very eye-opening to see what how everything fit around and the numbers behind it right yeah I think uh, you know think I had an X on my back think about um, <laughs> position titles duties <laughs> salary levels uh, all of those things were up for grabs. So you know what kind of, and can imagine what mm-hmm. kind of intensity and uh, in some cases fear were around this. Um, it, it, there's, I guess there's no replacement for being in the right place at the right time and a little bit of, of dumb luck. Um, after my eighth year in business operations, John F. Like Graves, our, our university vice president, um, and Bob McQuaid, our, our VP for HR, was starting a rotational program, uh, program mm-hmm. leadership rotational mm-hmm. program. Give individuals here a chance to spend up to two years doing projects around campus as a broadening mm-hmm. um, opportunity and then replace them in areas of need in the university. Yeah. Um, so that's what, ha- that's what I did. I jumped in, into that, and the very first project was this ND Renew. Um, and, and it was... Uh, if this is the painless podcast, it was a, it was a painful experience going through it, but I look back on it as it was the best experience I had. It was it, absolutely, I grew from that in ways that I never would have before. What, what else did you, I don't really have a good way to ask this to make it clear, I guess, but what else did you take away from something like that? Because, you know, sometimes it's so black and white or can be so black and white with finance, uh, compensation, those kinds of things. How did you... F- learn to apply that maybe gray area or did you learn that sometimes you have to just understand there isn't gray I, I don't know I'm just curious as it had to be so many things you got to see kind of behind the curtain yeah I think the biggest takeaway for me is uh, 
the importance of role clarity. Hmm. And that goes up and down the organization from a structural standpoint of what we were doing was creating role clarity so it could be standardized across the entire university. It had sort of gotten out of balance. Mm. Right? And so that was, the, that was the goal. But on a micro level, role clarity in this project and how we were trying to project manage it and communicate to campus and what we were doing with it was, was not to be underestimated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you, was there, there fits and starts almost with that, that, oh, we need to be, we're not communicating enough or, or, or we're not quite communicating correctly? Or do you think that from the, the get-go you were actually able to do a pretty good job and that was helpful? I mean, how, how did that process go? Because I think that that's the, some transparency and the ability to be fairly straightforward to open, get people to open up for you too had to be critical. And you're not coming, yeah. like you said, you're not a media person. Right. You're not, and you're not a communications professional. Right. Being deep on that project, how did you learn to adapt to that? Well, luckily, we had access to resources and communications <laughs> and people to help here. Um, so I was, was by no means a one-man band. But the, the importance uh, on the communication side was in the accuracy and the tone of the messaging, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it had to be carefully crafted. Mm-hmm. I think was more important than the frequency. In some cases, mm-hmm. saying nothing uh, is, in, uh, probably in most cases, is better than saying something that might be loosely worded so that it has double meanings or mm-hmm. is ambiguous. And that was another big takeaway here, is let's carefully craft this message so that we're accurately getting across what we want to say and thinking about it from the the receiver's point of view. What are they really going to hear mm-hmm. in this? We know what we're trying to say, but what they hear is a very different thing or what they may hear. And that's how, how, do you, how did you do that? Any suggestions on that? Because it's, I'm just thinking of, you know, literally you look at all the different people around the campus that you're dealing with, the faculty, and you're dealing with right. athletic department, and you're dealing with facilities management, and you're dealing with the students, and you're dealing with admissions. And even within faculty, there's certainly from you know, fine arts to physics are very different personalities right. there. Yes. Without, like you said, without watering the message down or trying to be all things to all people, that's a very interesting microcosm that you had to deal with to try to figure out, you know, bat around what's the right thing to say that's going to be effective communication. That's right. I mean, it had to be a great experience on it, it, figuring that out. It was. Um, the stakeholder map list was <laughs> yeah. quite lengthy. Yeah. And that was the approach. We mapped out stakeholders, and we had a grid that went across with several different headings about, you know, describe this, uh, you know, this category. What is top of mind to them? What is their biggest fear? What are they expecting? You know, how do they want to be communicated with? And so this grid was pretty extensive, and we used that then to activate multiple messages, not as opposed to one. There certainly right. was some broadcast messages. Right, that's a smart way to break it down. I'm thinking of myself as a, as a marketer and a communicator, first and foremost. You were able to build it out, that grid I'm thinking of as, as a more of an organizational change or consulting type of a mindset that the communications people could then, oh, okay, now here's what I have to develop messages across those different people. That's right. That, that hybrid approach, that, okay, that's smart. I'm yeah. sorry, getting into the weeds, I guess, Is a little he? bit on that, <laughs> but uh, hopefully people listening are 
not tuning out at this point and find it fascinating as well. <laughs> so you were in that project role, the rotational. The next one became something with the athletic department, led uh, Im- economic impact study of athletics on university revenue, research, media production, distribution capabilities at peer universities and pro leagues. And this is 2010 yeah. when a lot of the, you know, maybe there was regional sports nets, but uh, Big Ten had been around then for Big Ten Network had been around for th- three years. Yeah. yeah because they're coming up on 10, but there weren't a lot of others. So there was still a lot changing in that Absolutely. space. It must have been a fascinating time to be looking at all that. It was. Digital was really emerging. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Jack Swarbrick arrived in 2008, took over as our athletics director, mm-hmm. he has a passion for media. And he looked around at, at what we had and our capability, in particular in athletics, and knew we were way behind. Mm-hmm. And we were. Mm-hmm. And so his charge to me was go out and find out what others are doing in this space at a high level, put a report together, and help me take the next step, which is what I did. Uh, so visited places like Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Nebraska, um, went to NASCAR Media Group, mm. got engaged with the Sports Video Group organization, mm-hmm. um, some real leaders in this space. A couple of quick uh, of, of high-level realizations for us um, was, number one, um, we were behind in some part because of our relationship with NBC. Oh, yeah. Which we have to own, which was mm-hmm. we had an exclusive NBC broadcast right. deal that was signed in 1991. It was untouchable, mm-hmm. and we believed that all the way through 2010. Yeah, right. Well, digital grew up around that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we just weren't paying attention because we had NBC, and they are... Yeah. They are the best partners you could ever yeah, have in right. the sports business. It's not a business. knock it's, on them. Absolutely. Right. No, it was, the, it was the classic benefit that we allowed to b- become complacent with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, um, we got behind because of tradition to, to a large degree mm-hmm. in our venues. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a video board in any of our athletic venues until 2010. Really? When we put the not first even one in, in, he, in here, I'm meaning the Joyce Center. And not in the Joyce Center. This one in here yeah. in Purcell Pavilion went in in 2010. Really? And I so didn't realize that. Huh. We didn't have this built-in need to create content for games. And okay. as I was meeting with Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is one of the best out mm-hmm. there, um, they were, in 2010, already realizing that they were small television networks and stations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They were right. beyond just you know, creating content. We, we, you know, that thought for us was like, what? Uh, you know, and it was so forward thinking. And that's when, when HD was becoming prevalent and the ability right. then to market and distribute content one-to-one to fans was becoming, Huge. hey, this is the way we should mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Um, so all of that was very enlightening to us. Uh, put a plan together for, for Jack and said, that, you know, this is what we should do. What kind of capability, like, what did you have here then? Like, if you didn't have the big boards, so you, you did you have some production for, you know, uh, basic terrestrial TV type studio usage, or did you have to build from even essentially scratch at that point if you were going to go forward? Well, we we outsourced anything that was television oh, okay. related or high end, you know, year end uh, montage videos and whatnot. We did have a small camera crew that was internally um, employed, but really about three people and and our talent, Jack Nolan. Mm -hmm. And they primarily were out live streaming 
games and putting football highlights together. Okay. So it was a very skeleton crew doing the best they could with limited resources. Mm-hmm. We just hadn't invested in it. Um, it. And so, you know, one of the great, one of the great shifts here, and this is just such a theme at Notre Dame, is how do you leverage athletics for the larger university mission? Um, and when, when I say larger, I'm, I'm talking about the, the core university mission of education and faith. Um, and so when, when Jack Swarbrick went to Father John Jenkins, our university president, and John F. Like Graves, our vice president, said, hey, we're behind. We have to invest in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we don't, the conversation continues, right? And we talked a lot about how do we take the oxygen out of the room with our own voice, you know, the authoritative voice, because mm-hmm. there's so much misinformation. There's so yeah, much right. opinion-driven and the trolls and, and oh, whatnot yeah. that are out there. If we don't get in, that all continues, right? Yeah, right, and they then 100% control the message. Exactly, because yeah. we're not in the space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the vision of Father John, of course, being what it is, he said, I get it, we should, we should invest here. We, we do have a, a national broadcast partner in NBC that can help us get started. We've got a built-in fan base that's rabid. We've got the ability to generate some revenue to help fund this, but make no mistake, the ultimate goal of funding this in athletics is that when the time comes and when the capability is there and you're on your feet in athletics, we're going to scale this to campus for academic and faith purposes. And so he laid that vision out six, seven years ago. And what's awesome about, you know, where we are today is we're realizing that vision with this new ND Studios operation right. and the, the Rex and Alice Martin Digital Media Center, that now we've gone from what is a 3,000 square foot proof of concept facility mm-hmm. with a couple control rooms and a small green screen studio to an 18,000 square foot facility wow. that will support the entire university. That's great. That, and that's the, that's the facility that's uh, it's opening in August. August, yes. Yeah. Yeah. When you were going to some of the other schools and you know NASCAR Media Group and, and some of those f- folks of looking at it, were they open of talking about uh, some of the dollars, some of the things that they and some of the things they learned, um, both good and bad, to avoid? You know that, or was it? You know, Notre Dame. We don't want to. You know, those guys are big and powerful. I don't want to give up too much, too much information and kept it close to the vast. You know, it's a great. So certainly, higher ed is very collaborative, mm-hmm. um, and it's one of the uh, one of the painless networking experiences I have had <laughs> is, is in networking in higher ed because mm-hmm. people are just willing to share. I mean, our missions are such that we're all rowing the boat in the same direction, and so um, people took my calls. We scheduled time. I flew out to many of these locations, and they spent half a day or a day with me. I, just absolutely impressive. Um, and, and I have to say, for the pro leagues, the same. It's not quite. There's a line they'll draw, yeah. and we visited the NBA and MLB and NASCAR. Uh, certainly, we're very open with facility tours and talking about the technology. Some of the strategy, yeah. maybe not quite as open right. on because there's competitive advantage and mm-hmm. a lot of revenue riding on it. So when you, when from that project role, then that d- rolled into another project role to actually, um, it was the digital asset management project. 
And is, so does, was that a direct spinoff? And we talked a little bit about before we started rec- recording here about like the um, archives and things like that. Is yes. that all related in there? What was that that uh, gig like in 2010, 2011? Yes, so that was a, a project to take a look at you know, this explosion of digital asset, in particular born digital, but also the necessity of taking hard copy archives and digitizing them. And where do you put these? And, and we realized as a university that you know, things were, were deteriorating and, and, and becoming irrecoverable in their hard copy form, or we just didn't know where they were stored, and, and particularly the digital side. Our archives is one of the best, our university yeah. archives. But digitally, as you think now born digital, and you create something and put it on your hard drive that's on your computer, mm-hmm. and then you retire, leave, wherever you go, we have absolutely no record of that document or that media, and it may be a valuable piece of Notre Dame's history. Sure. Um, so we took a look at um, cross-functional, across the university, engaged the administrative, the academic side, faith side, and said, how do we start thinking about this? And this is the classic 10,000-pound elephant <laughs> that there is, there is no way to tackle it all. Um, but we put a, we put a, a framework together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, again, quite frankly, it's nice to see, and it's taken time, it takes time, but we're starting to see that move a little bit towards that, those strategic mm-hmm. goals. The most important thing, though, was getting started. Oh, Just yeah. get started. And, and it's where Fighting Irish Media came in on this um, because we, have, we create so much content <laughs> on an annual basis that is game recordings, mm-hmm. melts, f- footage we've shot, interviews, our own highlight films, practice footage, that all has to be stored somewhere digitally. Right. And then it's and then in all the social media feeds too. That's a massive just of like you said, the born, just the new stuff. Right. Let alone going back into history. Right. And and the and the challenge is not just digitizing, but it's then it's cataloging. Mm-hmm. So the logging piece. Um, luckily we've had uh, just a great staff that that works here and one individual, Scott Reinhardt, who came to us from NASCAR Media Group, mm. had deep experience there and the PGA tour. And one of his passions is, is asset management, digital hmm. asset management. And so he's really helped us organize on the athletic side this content and start thinking through this tagging process. Yeah. Because is it a touchdown? Is it a TD? Is it a score? Uh, what is it? Because that matters when you're going back and trying to access oh, totally. the discovery process. I mean, I know that of my years in agencies when you do shared drives, and one person's train of thought yeah. are very different from the next person's. And so then you can't find anything and it becomes pointless. So then nobody puts anything on the shared drive. Scott, that's invaluable. He's like priority employee number one. You don't want to yeah. lose him, right? Uh, so Yeah, and it, was, and it was just being able to get started in a, we could put a bound, boundaries around athletics. Yeah. Right? It's definable. Let's get started in athletics. Let's figure this out. We'll make plenty of mistakes, and we have, but they're not in, um, incorrectable, right? We'll, we'll, we'll fix them. And then now, as we have this kind of experience over the last five years or so, again, we're at this position to start scaling that learning to, to the rest of campus. Right, right, versus trying to do all that at once. Exactly. It's actually then, I mean, it's a big enough project within here, just athletics. How did you, out of the curiosity again with the archives, 
the old stuff that was film or whatever that was deteriorating, was that then prioritized because it was going to be gone soon? Well, our our university archives Uh houses all of our classic and archived athletic content as well as university uh, content. And it's an outstanding archives run by Charles Lamb and Eric Dix. So they were... So they're already... They were well ahead of the... As things were... If uh, the valuable and the things that... Uh, the content that they assessed may be in danger of deteriorating, they were digitizing um, and putting it into So that didn't storage. have to fall in your lap. It was some experts that were actually... That were working through that. Oh, now, good. it was not... And they weren't funded to do a comprehensive digitization. Uh, okay, got so it. So it was more of as content is needed or as content might be at risk, they would create these mm-hmm. digital digital copies. What we're working on now, though, is how do we create to get, bring these things together? They, their content, that archival content, is stored on a separate server in a different database. Ours in athletics is is over here. So how do we bring these things yeah. together? And then again, look to scale the campus. Is the experience of doing the previous projects and roles of going across different parts of campus? I'm sure you get to tap into that. How did we? You know, how did I bring that together or whatever? And then on the other end, they're going, Oh yeah, I, I remember Dan from this or that thing, it's not just some hot shot guy that's coming in and saying, I need you to do this, right? You're about collaborating, so it's made that process, I mean, it's not a cinch, but it's got to be easier because of that to fall back on. So fighting Irish digital media, telling Notre Dame's story through the lens of athletics, you started with how many employees? Well, there were three. We started with three. So we had essentially two, two cameramen, and then our talent, Jack Nolan. Okay, and that's the so that was already really in existence. It wasn't you weren't really even staffing up. It was just like okay, we're going to fall under this. We're going to creating this umbrella, and then this is how we're going to do things going forward. Correct. And then so, then how big has that group grown in the last four, five, six years? Well, so on the on the video side, we're uh, we're up to uh, eighteen or so with video, social media graphics Mm -hmm. Um, and then we've combined with our athletics communications what we used to call sports information right so another 12 or so on that side so the total fighting irish media group is about 30 people and is the like what about und.com as the as the athletic site is that i should know this but is that run by third party or do you run that here at the university, and does that fall into this group, or is that separate? It falls under uh, Fighting Irish Media's purview. Okay, uh, it's run by CBS Interactive. Okay, so there is yeah, they're involved, but it, and then managed through Fighting Irish Media. Fighting Irish Media, right? We provide all the content, we upload the content, we determine it, um, and then we have a we have a, a branded video site we call Watch ND, and so that's where we run video on demand as well as one of the uh, initial value propositions of WatchND was our games were being streamed on many different channels. And that's okay. We're, we're quite distribution agnostic. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all about the content and the story. We want to get it out there and in many ways as we can right. meet, meet fans where they're at. But one of the challenges was, well, where, is, where can I find the game? And so we wanted to create WatchND as that place to say to fans, go to WatchND and we're going to have the link for you. If it's streamed on the ACC network, we'll have a link to, mm-hmm. to take you there. If it's a, an NBC game, we'll have a link to take you there for the, the digital. Yeah, because like you said, digital has 
exploded since that initial NBC contract that, that you know, rolls on to this day. I'm assuming that there's a, quite a bit of rewriting or additions to that deal of what falls now. Like you said, you were letting NBC do a lot of it or something that what is their responsibility? What is your responsibility and your, your rights of what you can then put on watch ND and a standalone exactly. from an NBC or ACC network, right? I mean, that's exactly. to me would be the most difficult thing of who's, who's got what, who's responsible for what, who controls what, right? All that content, but, very rights-driven. Yes, and absolutely. That's falling, right, rights-driven. See, I took five minutes to say <laughs> rights-driven. But again, that's falling under the Fighting Irish Correct. media group, right? Okay. Correct. Pretty much brings us up to where we're close to today, right? Where now this... This new this new role that you've taken on as the um, executive director of Notre Dame Studios that's spinning out of the of the Fighting Irish Media area and digital side into its own standalone, and you're going to run that group, support athletics, faith, and academics, right? Correct. And so that's separate, and then you'll leave behind the senior aid, associate AD digital media branding role. Somebody else will take that by this fall. And then you're running this group. How big does that Notre Dame Studios group with 18,000 square feet, how many people are going to be there? We're a group of about uh, 10. So we have uh, three or four engineers, a media manager, a production manager, um, a couple of uh, uh, academic videographers and some academic kind of focused uh, live streaming video Mm -hmm. uh, technicians. So we're very much focused on how to go from a plan, a desire, mm-hmm. to creating, to setting up a, an event, creating a program feed, and then distributing it to eyeballs around the world. Right. And then it's almost the athletic department or uh, academics or whoever else, they're going to be clients for you that you're yeah. producing the pieces that then so it's a standard kind of look and feel and you're making sure that it's good for the overall message of the university right absolutely they're clients and uh, we're there to support them editorial control over those areas remains Mm -hmm. distributed and so they are going to have a lot of leeway in determining what that content is but we can standardize the process for making it happen well the biggest thing that you talked i think we talked about earlier if it may have been before we, we started rolling but the immense cost of everybody having a standalone or smaller, three smaller standalones added together is a much higher cost than having one more efficient of this, you know, oh, geez, look, 18,000 square feet. Well, it would have been more than that if it was broken up across the different groups, and then none of the capabilities would have been as good. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the Rex and Alice Martin Digital Media Center um, will have two network-ready control rooms. So meaning NBC may want to come and use them for a a hockey production. Um, ESPN may want to use them for a basketball production. We will use them for this new ACC network and the linear launch of that that will happen in 2019. We're Mm -hmm. set up beautifully for that. Um, We'll have two new studios a 1,700-square-foot multi-camera studio, and then a smaller 1,000-square-foot, what we call a teaching studio, Mm -hmm. a place where we can bring in students and faculty from our film, television, theater. To the academic mission. Integrate, absolutely, integrate students and get students working on on, uh, projects and productions, which has been another hallmark of athletics. We employ about 50 students every year who by and large, put together and operate our digitally 
digitally distributed games. Um, so it's a great, it's just a great opportunity for, for students to get involved and build a skill um, and, and then go on to the next level. Now, does something like, I, I, meant, I should have asked this earlier, I meant to ask this earlier about, like, the whole world, and especially a, a very successful big football program and, and basketball program here, too, at, at Notre Dame, they're their own, can be their own big machine, and they have, you know, this day with the recruiting and the, the um, all the different, oh, geez, and I'm forgetting the proper term of the, the mock-up that uh, they do for every recruit that pops them into the uniforms and, you know, has them out in the center court or whatever kind of a thing. Those are huge that the, the recruiting staffs are generating those for these recruits. Does that stuff, I'm guessing that something is separate that's part of the recruiting department, or does that actually here fall under what you guys are doing? It is separate for now. I mean, we're, we're, we're taking a look at that and to see what is the best way to structure that as Fighting Irish Media has developed all these capabilities. Mm-hmm. And from the beginning was uh, fan-focused. So our primary customer okay, right. was the fan. Now, recruits and fans often overlay, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, teams, our athletic teams, have owned and managed their own recruiting. Of course, we've supported them in any way that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think your, your, your point's well taken. That We're at a, at a point that bringing these together may make a lot of sense, and so we're taking a look at that. And in a way, right, maybe it's, it's business sense that it's if you can then, like you talk about scaling it, that, that you've got uh, shared people that then go across the other sports, the non-revenue sports, because of that, you know, a little bit of their time or whatever and helping recruiting and the trickle down. Yes. Yeah. That shouldn't really be a trickle across type of an effect yeah, would be great right. for the whole athletic department. Maybe that uh, makes some sense. The other question I have, too, of you've built this, grown this staff. You're coming from a more finance and, you, you know, you did some sales work, but now you're running media, digital media production, um, fairly large size group. Um, what do you look for? What do you tell either students that are here that, oh, man, that's, I love to work in you know, fighting Irish media or Notre Dame studios. What do you look for for people? What's a recommendation for people up and coming? What kind of skills should they have? How should they be positioning themselves? Well, number one is, is just a desire at the base level. And this is, uh, this is something I've really learned from uh, Jack Swarbrick. You know, and his way of phrasing it is know your why. Why, mm-hmm. why are you here? Mm-hmm. Why are, why, what's driving you? Um, and so having a passion for athletics, having a passion for production, I think that's a, a, a basic need. And it could be a curiosity for it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, but at least that commitment to, I'm going to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I, I really think that's the, I mean, that's, 80% of it. If we go by the 80-20 rule, that's 80% of yeah. it. Because you can pick everything else up. You know, and we have a program where you, you, you spend time on a camera, you know, or you, you're, you're coiling cords actually before that. But then you're on a camera, and you're, then you're getting into the control room, and you're learning how the graphics machine works, and we want to get you into see the, you know, the work, the, the replay machine. And, um, you know, it's really that about... That probably weeds some, some of the people out. Absolutely. They just absolutely. don't show the commitment to it or they don't, whatever. Yeah, exactly. But having that commitment and and, uh, and 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 you know showing up, right? it's, just, it's being there, being dedicated to it. Even if you don't want a career in production, and that's fine, mm-hmm. and that this is maybe more of a college job for you. Um, but 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 be there. And I'll go back to something I mentioned earlier. Then for those who want a career in production, 
the relationships they can build amongst our team here. We've, we um, have some very talented um, producers that work here in Fighting Irish Media and at Notre Dame who are well-connected in, in the industry and uh, as well as faculty members in production. And so the more they can show that commitment and show that they're building mm-hmm. skills, it's just going to pay off for them in that next level of whether it be opening a door for an interview, a letter of recommendation. Whatever. Well, that combined with the strong Notre Dame alumni network between those two networks, that should open just about any door for at least a conversation with somebody, right? Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I, it is one of the, it's one of the benefits that, thinking back to what we were talking about even in 2010 when I was doing the research side of it, and you mentioned this earlier, the brand does open doors. Um, what, what it is, what it stands for. Um, people are interested in talking. And then the other side would be not to be too intimidated by that because, I mean, to your point, if you were creating a, or, you know, looking at, well, what's the ideal person that we'd want for your job, most people would have envisioned that you came up this ladder that involved production and, you know, maybe working at a, uh, you know, regional sports network uh, and or, um, you know, sports information department or a digital agency. And you haven't done any of those, yeah. <laughs> but you're proven to be, you know, tremendously qualified for it. I think the other part is too, you don't ever overlook anybody in the networking process. Like it was, you said, Scott came from that, that does all the uh, archiving right. is like a passion of his. Like you could say, well, oh, that's just, you know, the guy who, you know, does the archiving. He worked at NASCAR media group that you, if you didn't have a conversation with him, you wouldn't know that. And then he opens the doors to somebody that's on the product. Oh, yeah, a buddy of mine that's on production Absolutely. with NASCAR. Absolutely. Or they left NASCAR to go to the NFL, whatever. That's the whole, just looking down on even something like, oh, NASCAR, that's, you know, you know four left turns. If you, if you go sometimes at face value, I got, I'm getting up on my soapbox and lecturing at you for some reason, Dan. I don't know why, but don't do that. Like, Preaching to the be, choir. But right, yeah. but be inquisitive. And that gets you a lot further than necessarily having some something down on your resume as a, it, as a skill. Yeah, it, it starts with doing a good job at whatever you're doing mm. <laughs> and, and building that relationship with whoever you're doing it with or for. And when we fill a position, a production position now, our executive producer uh, immediately goes back in his Rolodex and goes, you know, I worked with this person back at, you know, at the, at the mm-hmm. Kansas City Chiefs, and they were great. So I'm going to call them and mm-hmm. see what they're up to, see, just see where they're at, right. see what they're thinking. And, and that's how it starts. And, oh, yeah, I met this other person at a conference, and they just seemed really top-notch. I'm going to, I'm going to give them a call. Right. Um, so absolutely, that networking just, just happens naturally. Right, right, totally. And don't you never know where it can you know, where, where something can pop up, an opportunity comes out of what you think is nowhere. Yeah, um, and I am proof that there are non-traditional paths no, but I mean, <laughs> into but that's, media. But that's exactly <laughs> it, right? Like, yeah. I, I, that's what, when I talk to people, it's, you don't have to, I mean, that can help because you can see all aspects within that particular silo, but sometimes you get so siloed that, for your point, a lot of people wouldn't know how to work with people from facilities or or security or you know some of those other things and take and, and take learnings from that that you could apply to this and when you're building the studio out that you wouldn't have had if you had come straight up that line and so anyway again I'm up on the, right. on the soapbox you know we didn't we're, we're I've taken up too much of your time already here but the you know you've also your your you've got personal life you've got I'm assuming that you're balancing you've got family do you you know you have kids do you have 
or, or are you just buried in your job, Dan? What, do we need <laughs> well, to have some, a talk about I, this? I, I sometimes <laughs> feel buried in my job in a good way, but uh, but I do have uh, I do have a family. In fact, my wife uh, and I met on the steps of the Golden Dome. In oh, geez, two thousand and one. So as we were both back as employees, uh, and uh, we've been married now thirteen and a half years. We have five kids. Oh my gosh, um, four of them who are still with us. From uh, age 12, our oldest, uh, down to age 6, our our youngest. So two boys, two girls, Teddy, Jeanette, Nathan, uh, Maureen. Oh, boy. There we go. And they are uh, full of life and uh, happily so, and they keep us on our toes. And now does your wife work here at the university, or she did? She did. She did. And then uh, she worked part-time after our first was born, and then when the youngest was born, uh, we had met our match, and yeah. she, oh God. she uh, stays home full time now and <laughs> manages the homestead. Is it, yeah, right now she, you know, it's a battle when you get home of who's more tired and <laughs> absolutely and who's I, worked harder. She works harder than me. Right. I usually, usually you're like, yes, honey, I'll take the kids now. Uh, and you mentioned too. I don't. I don't want to. Um, I'd be. I think remiss. You talked about you did the kind of almost. Uh, would it be mission work of of going to teach at the Navajo group? Uh, I mean, do you take some time to do that with either work or family? We really invest uh, through our parish, our local parish, St. Joseph Catholic Church, the Holy Cross Parish, uh, great school. It's where our kids go. And so we, that's a that's Just a big, active in the parish. Active in the, in the parish. And, and we were, we're big supporters of the Center for the Homeless. We uh, we danced for them last year oh at a, a charity uh, event. And, and then the Boy Scouts uh, with my sons are another aspect that... Uh, from a community side that that I like to uh, invest in. I've really enjoyed the chat and kind of getting a little bit of a different perspective than I than I've usually had here. Um, thankful we'll see if we'll test him. We won't tell him, but Joe Dimbario making the introduction here. We'll see if he listens all the way to this point. Um, but uh, I've enjoyed it a bunch. Anything else? Any other parting shots, words of wisdom before we? Uh, before we go take a tour of the new facility? Go Irish. There we go. All right. Well, Dan Skenzel, thanks so much for all your time today. I really appreciate it and some insight of what's going on here with Notre Dame Studios. Thanks, Chris. Well, I hope you enjoyed Painless Podcast number 19 with Dan Skenzel. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review the Painless Podcast. It helps and is very much appreciated. As I mentioned also, check your emails for Painless Blast today, Wednesday, the 21st of June, for a job position posting from ND Studios, as well as uh, several other great jobs in the Painless Email Blast. And then uh, scroll through this feed, check out some of the other great episodes and great stuff, uh, college space, like John Jaramillo from Roosevelt University, startups, sports media, digital, TV, it's all in there. It's great stuff. Stop listening to me. Hit episode played. Move on to the next one. Much appreciated. Any feedback, suggestions? Say, hey, what do you think of the music? I keep changing it around these last few to try to spice it up a little bit. Send me feedback on that. Sponsorship inquiries, guest suggestions to painlesspod at painless.network. And I'm going to get out of the way. Enjoy the rest of your week. Happy hump day. Until next time, it's Chris Hartwig saying, let's stay connected, friends. <laughs> <laughs>